Welcome to the 10 Loans a Month podcast, where mortgage brokers become business owners. And now, your host, Scott Peckford. Hey, Broker Nation. Welcome to the Auto Mortgage Brokering Podcast. I'm continuing our 10 Loans a Month series. This is a tactical podcast we produce every single week. I'm your host, Scott Peckford. Today on the show, I have Jill Mollering. Once a month, I do a live show. We're just figuring out all the mechanics of the live show because it's more challenging to do, but it's a lot of fun. We have a video. We can interact with the audience. And we didn't in this conversation with Jill because honestly, it was so engaging that I forgot to look for audience questions, but I will going forward. And in any case, we talk about commissions. We talk about some of the games that a small percentage of owners play and questions you can ask to sort of identify if your owner is being honest with you. And then we dive into a really interesting discussion about Jill shared a story of a broker who is not being paid the full commission or certainly not being disclosed it. And when she found out there was someone else at the same office who was getting paid it to make this even more insane. The person that was getting the extra commission was a male and this was a female. And so we have a discussion about some of the differences on why they say the gender pay gap. And it's very frustrating. I have two daughters. It's very frustrating to me to even see this sort of thing. But we kind of discuss what's kind of going on there. But then we try to make it practical by diving into giving you a script. So if you're listening to this and you're like, hey, I don't know if I'm getting a good deal. How do I have that conversation? What do I do? How do I prep for it? We actually dive into some of that to make it useful for you so that you can actually go and apply it. Because I always think it's no good to complain about something. It's, yeah, this sucks. Something's broken. Now, what do we do about it? How do we fix it? That's my next logical step. And so if we can help equip you to have that conversation, then I hope you go and do this. And I'd love to hear, you know, you have a conversation and you discover some things and you can improve it. Shoot me a note. I'd absolutely love to hear that. So shoot me an email. Before we jump into this episode, I give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, submission platform. Very easy for borrowers to use. It's also super easy for brokers and it's got smart docs. So it knows what documents your client needs. It's got smart submission notes. It pulls key data out of the application that gets put into the notes for the lender. And it's connected to the lender spotlight, which means that you can search rates and guidelines at the click of a button. Very powerful. Go check it out at lendesk.com slash Finmo and do a demo to check out how Finmo works. Are you there, Jill? Almost late to my own party. I am here. Okay, topics-wise. Sorry, what were you going to say, Jill? No, I don't know. I was going to... I don't know, probably just ramble about something, but uh, we can talk about anything, honestly. All right. I'm pretty down for discussing pretty much anything. So, and I love that about you, the straight shooter. You're just like, you know, there's a few people in the industry that are, I would say, have a reputation of being a straight shooter. I think you're one of them. And so sometimes people either like it or don't like it, though, right? Like when you're a straight shooter, you can polarize people. Would you agree with that assessment? Or oh, perhaps? yeah, 100%. I think for sure I'm a take it or leave it kind of person, right? Like half the people in this industry who would tell me to my face that they like me or they think that I'm great. But I'm pretty sure there's probably also just as many people that don't like me. There's just as many people who have blocked me on Facebook, you know, as have added me, I'm sure, right? But Right. Well, that but you kind of can't waste time worrying about that either. Yeah, they always say, like, there's no money in the middle, right? There's just been this phrase I heard before, which is basically, oh, that's a really, you know, like, you got to be polarizing. They're either going to love you or hate you, but at least they're going to know who you are and they know that you stand for something. And too many people don't stand for anything. So let's talk about commissions first, because this is a topic that I think has been relevant. There's some pretty interesting posts that have gone on recently. And how do you think we as an industry can do a better job of, you know, 
explaining the commissions or should we, or do you think we should just leave it the way it is? I'm curious in your thoughts on that. You know, yeah, I think that the longer we kind of get into this industry or whatever, or the more that things sort of get globalized, I guess, if that's a word, I don't know if I'm making that up with like the Facebook groups and the communication and the more that people talk, the more that this stuff comes out. So I think long gone are the days where people can pay somebody a really crappy split or, you know, hide commissions or things like that, because I think it's going to just be, you know, in the next little while that everybody knows. And I think if you're one of these team leads or a broker owner or a franchise owner or whatever, that doesn't pay people fairly, like there's a reason why your turnover rates are going to be huge, right? Because people will find this information out and they'll leave. So I think we should talk about it more. We're all self-employed. You know, this isn't like we're talking about people's salaries or their wages. You know, it's not like your coworker got a raise and you didn't like you're self-employed. This is your business. So I think that people need to know what they're working for. Right. And advocate for their own business. Like if you were a retail store and you were selling t-shirts and you were buying your t-shirts for 10 bucks and you were selling them for 20 and another company came in and was going to sell you those t-shirts for five bucks and you could still sell them for 20, you'd switch, right? You'd order the cheaper T like, so. Yeah. If it was the same, if there was no difference in, or even worse, what happens with us sometimes is the t-shirt, the manufacturer, you know, one person's getting 10, one person's getting five. Anyways. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. But games. you would want to know, like, you know, in the retail world, the Walmart gets a better deal. Yeah. Um, they're doing volume. So they're doing like, yes, Walmart yeah. and Costco gets a better deal than you. Yeah. Than you and so I think having the right mindset, like a lot of people come into this business thinking that this is a job, right? That you're employed, that your brokerage is your employer. You know, we always joke, you know, we call our, well, I'm on MA. So Dustin, I was, you know, I'm like boss, you know, I call him boss, but like your brokerage mm-hmm. isn't your employer. This isn't your job. This is your career. You are self-employed. You own your business. You are running your own business. So you should know and you should be aware of, you know, what you're earning and where those costs are going and be comfortable with what you're bringing in and what that arrangement is with your brokerage. Your brokerage is a contract, right? You're getting something from them and they're getting something from you and it should be mutually beneficial and you should know where all the dollars and cents are going so that you're comfortable with that contract, right? Let me ask you this. I have thoughts on this, but let's say somebody is not sure if they're being told everything. What kind of questions would somebody ask or how could they find out? Because as we both know, there's volume bonus, there's wizard bonus. There's like, depending on the lender, we're not speaking about any particular first national. Yeah, but you already did it. So So first national. (laughs) I'm glad that it was you that screwed up first, not me. Yeah. So, but anyway, there's these different. And so if somebody is like, okay, well, how would I find out since this is the thing that we shall not speak of? What kind of questions should they ask or how could they find this stuff out? Yeah. And I think that's a tough one, but yeah, Yeah. (laughs) phone me or Scott will tell you. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Ask somebody who will actually tell you this straight up. Somebody who will tell you, you know, and actually I had a conversation about that earlier today with another broker on how to broach the topic to her broker owner, right. About, you know, extra points and things like that, that they're not getting. And for sure, it's a tough one, right. But I don't think that there's very much secrecy around a lot of these types of things, but I think, you know, you have to be able to advocate for your business. So you have to bring it up. And I think there's some things that you'll learn about that exist. And if you bring that up to your broker or your mentor or your team leader or whatever and they're trying to hide that from you or they lie to you about it oh no we don't get that you know like that's an indication of the type of business that you're working with right like is that somebody that you really want to work with yeah there's some general rules of thumb here like there's a few of our lenders who pay different types of points programs and things like that there's efficiency bonuses at the end of the year that typically go to submission agents and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're entitled to that. It doesn't. No, no, but here's the thing. And what I want to be really clear on, because there's going to be some owners and be like, F you Peckford and Jill, you guys suck. I have a bulletproof vest now, so I'm not, I'm just kidding. Uh, but run your business however the heck you want. 
truthfully. Like, just tell people what you're doing. Say, hey, yeah, this yeah, is how I, I do it. And you can say, I'm keeping all this money because this is how I run my business. And this is what I offer for support and service. And they get to choose. What I have the problem with is the non-disclosure, right? Like, that's the part that I struggle with is like the disclosure is important. And if you tell them, then it's fine. I think a good question, sorry, and I'll take your thoughts on this. The question you can ask your owner, your whoever, your team lead, your mentor is, can I ask our BDMs about commission? And because if they put a wall between you and the BDM and they're like, I can't really talk about it. You'll find out if it's then you're going to know, okay, not everything's being explained to me. Oh, well, and then right along with that rate sheets, right? Most of yeah. our rate sheets that come direct from lenders outline commission rate on them. So if you've got a brokerage who refuses to let you receive rate sheets from a lender, that's probably a red flag too. I mean, not necessarily. Some brokerages do, you know, a consolidated rate sheet. Yeah, to make it easier, easier because otherwise you're dealing with tons of emails. So we're not yeah. saying that that is a... Uh, no, yeah. but if you asked, you know, if you were asking your broker owner to get a rate sheet direct from a lender and they said no, you know, if they're not willing to let you have that access directly, you know, then yeah, that's probably a moment that makes you want to ask more questions, right? And that's it. You just need to ask more questions. So, yeah. I mean, you've been doing this for a while. So have you seen any examples that you can think of where there's been games that you're like, what? Like, please don't use any names. We're not trying to, but I think it's all pattern recognition. If you can see a couple patterns and then that'll help you with, you know, your own decisions and stuff. So can you think of any you've seen that you're, yeah, I've had made you scratch your head and you go like, what the flip was that? Yeah. Yeah. I've had quite a few people who've reached out to me that want me to look at, and the, and by no means is this like an open invitation for everyone to send me. The yeah. Phone. Please don't send everything. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But, uh, but no, I've had people contact us because we obviously have a team and people want to join or whatever. And so then they talk about where they're at and what's happening with them and stuff. And like, I've heard quite a few different examples and I've seen quite a few scenarios that have had me scratching my head. Right. So, you know, for example, I had one gal that had messaged me where she was on a, 50-50 split with her brokerage, which is fair, you know, for a new broker. Yep. She was on 50-50 split. And then from her 50, she had to then split that 50-50 with her mentor, who also happened to be the principal broker. So right. she was getting 25% of her deals. Her brokerage took 50%. And then her 50, she had to split 50-50 with the principal broker. Who was also, it's like, yeah. Who's also the, yeah, well, to be her mentor, right? And I was like, right. that's garbage. Like, you know, I had another one that had told me about trailer fees. And this is something where, you know, there's some lenders who pay trailer fees and some of those are going to get paid to, you know, you can get set up where they're paid to you. They follow you from brokerage to brokerage. Some of them stay with your brokerage. Some of them stay with your principal broker. This lady had been set up with this brokerage where they basically forced her to send all of her deals through a certain lender for trailer fees. And she was not entitled to the trailers. So she was only getting the base comp. And then all of the trailers stayed with the brokerage to the broker owner. Right. And so that's a lot of commission. And especially when she didn't get set up or have access to a lot of other lenders. And it was very much pushed that her deals needed to go through this lender. And then when she left, obviously, all those trailer fees stayed with that brokerage and she didn't get access to any of those funds. Right. Yeah. I just had another one telling me a couple days ago here about a certain lender's points program and commission structure. One of the biggest lenders in our industry that's a tiered commission structure. So the more volume that your team does with them, the more you make. And this agent had approached her principal broker a few times about trying to find out why they were on this lower tier when she knew how much she had submitted and that they should be in this higher tier, only to find out that another agent within her own team was getting the higher pay and she wasn't and was getting the points that came along with it and she wasn't. And, you know, and so she sort of broached it like, hey, 
you know, she knew that it was there. She knew that she was supposed to be getting it. And she sort of broached the topic of like, you know, if we're not getting this, we should be, and we should ask these questions. And then when it sort of all came out, she realized that they were just, the broker was getting paid all of that extra comp, but was only paying her. Okay. I have a question to ask of this. And this is a very, um, anyway, so I'm going to throw it out there as a hand grenade. You can decide to kick it or jump on it, whatever you want to do. Was the broker who was getting the extra pay and commission a male and yep. she a female? Okay, that's such bullshit. Right? <laughs> like, frick, it pisses me off. I got two daughters. Like, they both work. And that kind of stuff makes me freaking crazy. Here's the thing. So, unfortunately, and you can speak to this too, Jill, is that sometimes, that I'm generalizing here, guys can be slightly more disagreeable. And so they will fight a little bit more. And so if I'm speaking to my daughter, I'm not speaking to all women in general, but if you're my daughter, I'm going to be like, you need to fight and speak up for yourself because otherwise sometimes people will take advantage of you. And that's just my own as a dad of two girls but what are your thoughts on somebody who's listening there because that kind of that makes me angry (laughs) you know what well it's we could do a whole hour on just this like this is something I'm pretty passionate about because I've had a career of being sidelined as the you know a woman not making as much or being you know a professional in a meeting but the only woman there so I'm the one that guests asked to bring the coffee you know that kind of stuff right and I think that women, we have sort of an inherent lack of self-confidence when it comes to advocating for our own worth. And so there's a reason why, you know, we don't necessarily stand up for ourselves as much when we are asking for a raise or asking for money because we are a little bit more cautious and a little bit more afraid of coming across as, can we swear? Can we swear yeah, on this? Yeah, yeah. Coming across as a bitch, right? Because right. if a guy stands up for himself and advocates for himself, he's being assertive and he's being, right. you know, forthcoming and he's being strong and he's being, he's being a straight shooter. He's being stuff. a straight shooter, as I said. They, yeah. They, yeah. Um, right. You know, when I do it, you know, I'm being a bitch, right? So right. there's a general perception on how that's perceived. Right, right. You know, if I'm trying to be assertive and stand up for myself, it's perceived in a very different way than a man being assertive and standing up for himself. Right. right. So, and that's a societal thing that I think we have to get away from, but I think yeah. there's a reason why women undervalue themselves um, right. quite a bit. And our industry is no different from that yeah. too. Right. We want to get along and women come into this business, I think a little bit more on the relationship front as well. You know, we seek teams where we feel like we are part of a team where we are part of an overall bigger picture. We want to associate ourselves with other, you know, like-minded individuals. We want that camaraderie ship, you know, and there, of course there's some guys that feel like that too, but I think that, you know, our approach into this business, and this might just be speaking from my own perspective, like I've surrounded myself with a team full of super strong women, right? Yeah. And maybe guys don't feel, you know, as much on the relationship front. It's more of a transactional thing maybe for them. I'm not the guy, I don't know. But we get a little bit more hurt, right? We're a little bit more hurt when somebody asks us for a split increase or we're, if they tell us that we're not giving- Okay, so here's what I like to do. Let's make this practical because it's no one thing to be like, hey, there's an issue. Let's do this for the next two minutes. How would you coach somebody who's in this situation? Because I think this could be useful. So- Let's both go back and forth and say how we would coach someone who feels like they're not getting the right. I'm not saying change brokerages. We're just saying go and have the conversation and make sure that it's fair. So how would you coach somebody? So like, give me an example and then I'll give you some thoughts. And then, because I hate to just complain about things and then not like say, let's figure out like, how, let's to figure take out a, how to fix it. Yeah, let's take a step towards some way to fix this. So what would you say to somebody? How would you coach them? And then I'll- I think that they need to be prepared for the present. Like, don't do this as an on whim phone call, set a meeting. You know, like this is a business transaction and you need to be setting yourself up as a business. You know, this is a business meeting. This is a business request, right? It's a business discussion on how you're going to grow your business with your brokerage, right? So take the emotion out of it. 
take the friends, the feelings, the we're good friends, we're buddies, we talk about our kids on the weekend, whatever, take all that out of the equation and keep in mind that this is a business decision. Make sure that you have itemized out your volume, your commissions, the history of what you've been doing, what you've contributed to the team, where you're putting your volume, which lenders you're working with. You know, you should know your numbers. And that's something too that I think a lot of people in this industry don't do. Track your numbers. You should know. Right. We should how, be, this math should be kind of our thing. Yeah. I think that we would care because math is our thing, but you know, yeah. you're, I totally see it yeah and I think a lot of people too they just take whatever the paycheck comes I track every commission every week like I have a big tracking spreadsheet where I track every deal uh, and every week when I get paid I fill in my commissions per deal I fill in my volume bonuses I fill in you know what costs if I paid for an appraisal whatever I'm tracking all of my numbers per file and I've caught mistakes from lenders and things like that too and I mean that's another topic right but uh, and, I've been yeah, this is nothing against the, but there's always a human element so when uh, 100%, and so yeah. when you have a human element there could be oh i hit the wrong button and yeah. it's on you to make sure that you're getting paid correctly right like, yeah exactly uh, and it's not because they wanted to underpay me and as soon as i brought it up they rectified and paid me but i've had that come up a couple times where i was underpaid and the only reason i knew was because i track and i know what i should be getting and i know what i got right and um right. so as a business owner again if you were selling t-shirts you would know what your cost was and you would know what your sale was and you would know what your cost of hiring a staff or paying rent or you would know these numbers and you would know what your profits are off of each item. If someone asked you for a discount while they're standing in your store, you would know what you could afford to give them on a discount and still make money on that product, right? right. Our business should be no different. You should know how much you're going to be making in commission, what your splits are, what your costs are on that, what your take home is going to be, and you should be rectifying that. So when you come to that meeting, you know, when you set yourself up to have that business discussion about your splits, about your pay, you know, about points, whatever you're asking for, you should come to that meeting prepared. You should know your numbers. You should know what you've contributed, where you're at, what your volumes are at with each of these lenders and be able to have that negotiation from a business perspective and note that this isn't about feelings, right? It's not about your emotions and how much you like your mentor or whatever. This is a purely a business decision. Right. Okay, I love this. So I thought about, we'll do this in three sections, before, during, and after. So before, you already talked about be prepared set the meeting, do your homework. The one thing I'd add to that is do research. So talk to other people. It's one thing to do homework on your own numbers, but the more you know what's going on, it's like playing a game of poker. If you understand the game, it's a lot easier. Yeah, yeah and research. I think on the homework front, there's a lot of brokers who are really willing to talk in this business. And all you have yeah. to do is pick up the phone and call them. Ping like, them, yeah, and just be like, hey, tell me how does this work? And then do your research. Because if you go into that meeting and you're not prepared, then that's on you. Unfortunately, you need to be. So this actually, this is really cool. So Loren, who works for me, I don't remember how long she was for me, like six months or something. And so she said, Hey, can we talk? I'm like, sure. And, you know, and so she sat down, she had a presentation for why I should pay her more money. And I did. And she's like, she had a mapped out. Here's all the stuff I've learned. Here's what I've done. Here's where we're going. And I'm like, yes, hundred percent. I'll pay you more money. Like it was the easy decision. Right. And she was pretty new when she was working for me at the time. And so she did exactly what you're referring to, but she actually had it in a slide deck. I mean, you don't have to do that. But I literally, as soon as I started, I'm like, that's it. Take my money is kind of what <laughs> I felt about the whole well, thing. And, the fact, and especially for, and I'm not sure what role she plays for you, but somebody who's willing to go to that effort to put a slide deck together to ask for a raise probably puts that same effort into their day-to-day -day work, you know, that they do for you too, right? So right, right. putting that same amount of effort in and anybody who puts that amount of effort into anything, you know, is it, is key, and she's like, yes. And she's a keeper. Like I love Lorraine. She's now like a very integral part of my businesses. And so, okay. The during section. So let's talk about scripting. So this is an awkward conversation. I've had, had awkward conversations with my kids recently about just stuff that I never imagined. They're teenagers. And I'm like, and so 
how does the conversation, if you were to sit down, let's say, how would you have that conversation? Because I have some ideas on scripting on this too, but like, how would you frame it in the conversation? Pay me. No, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, what's that song by Rihanna? Bitch, better have yeah. my money. <laughs> work, 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 right? Yeah. No, I, yeah. I mean, I think you honestly, you have to come into it and say like, let's talk business, right? And let's yeah. talk numbers and let's talk commissions, you know, and let's work this out together, right? This is a contract between the two of us from our business perspectives. And I need to be somewhere and I need to be with someone who wants my business to grow just as much as I do, but just be, you know, straightforward. Like, the beating around the bush and the maybes and the ifs, ands or whatever, like you have to be direct and you have to ask for what you want. If you leave gray zone and you leave like, oh, I don't know, I was hoping for maybe what, you know, or whatever, right? Yeah. You know, actually I did this this week with one of my agents and, you know, they had sort of talked about a bit of a split increase or whatever. And I went back and I just was like, okay, hey, this is what you get at this split. This is what you get at this split. What do you want? Like how much of my time are you going to need? Which one of these categories do you want to go into? Like, tell me what you want from me, right? As a mentor, mm-hmm. you know, be direct about it and ask, right? Yeah, I don't know. I think that's good. That's really good. So a couple of things, again, I'm, I'm just thinking if I'm coaching my girls, my daughters, because I like to like think of things in the frame, I would probably tell them the mindset frame they need to go in with this, especially my youngest daughter. She has a tendency to want to always like keep the peace and everything get along. She does not want to rock the boat. And so I would have the mindset of like, even if you have a relationship with these work people, you got to think about your family. Like, you know, Ryan Wiley always says, protect this house, which is the family. You got to think about your family first. And so my mindset going in needs to be, okay, I've got to have this awkward conversation with this person who's my, you know, boss or whatever. But all at the end of the day, the decisions have to be based on what's best for my family. And I have to be willing to have the awkward conversation. And so it could be something as simple as like, hey, you know, so if it was Jill, hey, Jill, thanks for you know taking time to chat with me. I'd like to chat about commissions today. I want to show you some things about sort of where I'm at right now. And I'd like to talk about what's going to look like going forward. And this is, gives you a chance to lead the conversation, show your research. Here's what I've done. Da, 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 da. I've also found that this is what's available. I'd like to discuss what we're going to do going forward. And then you have to decide, you know, what you're willing to accept at the end of the day. If they may say, no, I don't want to do it. They say yes, but at least you can have a conversation. But I think leading with the mindset of what's best for your family first, right? Protect this house. Second is, hey, here's, I've done my homework and here's what I'm asking for. Based on what I've seen, I feel that I should be in this category. And then they get to decide at the end of the day. And the after part of it is you get to decide how you want to respond. You may be like, okay, I can live with that or I can't. And then you have to, you know, decide on that. But any other kind of tips or things that you'd suggest on that? Yeah. I mean, I know like, obviously it's a negotiation, you know, so you do, you have to go in with your mental bottom line. And this is probably a really unpopular thing that I'll say here, but you have to also kind of remember that within reason, you can get what you want at another place. Like at the end of the day, you kind of hold the cards, you know, if you're not brand new, right? Like if you've been doing volume, if you're up there in volume and experience, this is probably a hundred other brokerages who are going to offer you exactly what you want to come over. Right. So you kind of do go into that with a little bit of an upper hand, but again, probably unpopular thing. Just probably shouldn't say that out loud. All of my team's going to come and ask me for a split increase tonight. Yeah, exactly. Hey, so (laughs) Jill. uh, Speaking of, I'll suddenly get like a whole bunch of meeting requests. Right. And I'll be like, Um, I think too, the other way you can frame something like this is to say like, you know, if you want to preserve the relationship, you know, it's like, hey, so I, it's important to me that if you were Jill, if you were my boss, is, hey, Jill, you know, I really have enjoyed working with you. You've been a fantastic mentor to me. And we have to have a kind of an awkward conversation. This feels a little awkward for me, but we need to have it. I'm going to do my best. I want to preserve our relationship. And you can try yeah. to frame at the beginning of something and say, okay, so here's where we're at. I want to talk about commission and numbers and things and yada, yada, yada. And now you have a 
meaningful discussion, but do your homework first. Do not go into this without homework done or else you're really not, you know, you need to be prepared. Yeah. And know that what you're asking for is reasonable too, right? Like yeah, if you've done exactly. 10 deals, asking for a 95 split is not reasonable. You know what no, I mean? No. So, and you have to keep in mind, I think one of the big pieces of the puzzle that a lot of people don't really recognize is, you know, brokerages aren't making a million dollars. And this is an interesting conversation that I had with an agent a little while ago who had approached me about wanting to have a team. And this agent had not done any deals. I think they had done one file and then they had wanted to build a team. And I was like, you've never brokered a, like you did one mortgage. Tell me more. And so they sort of thought about this as like a passive income thing where they thought, well, I'll hire someone who can train and mentor all of my agents and I'll pay them a salary. And then I will, yeah. And then I'll bring on all these agents and, and, and I'll just make a million dollars a year. And I was like, where are you getting a million dollars a year from? And they were like, well, so-and-so makes a million dollars a year. I was like, well, they make a million dollars a year doing their own deals. They don't make a million dollars a year having a team. Like I was like, how many agents do you think you need to have to make a million dollars a year as a brokerage? And so we kind of got into this a little bit more delving into like splits and stuff. And it was interesting, the confusion around the perspective. So, you know, this person was kind of talking about sort of a 200 million volume or whatever, bringing in like 2 million in commissions. And I'm like, yeah, but like, that's not your commissions, right? You know, if you have a team that's doing 200 million in volume, you know, as the team lead isn't making $2 million. Your team not is even close, not, not even, close. not even remotely close. So not this even is close. Where, you know, it kind of broke down the math on it a little bit where I was like, you know, say for example, on average, because most of your agents who are doing higher volumes, they are going to be at higher splits, right? They're going to yep. be in that 90, 95, 85, you know, in those higher amounts, right? So let's say on average, you had a team that was doing 200 million and the average split that they were on, you know, you were taking like 15%, right? And that's about 300K. I think that's 300K. If I didn't yeah, know that's 300K. You know, and of that 300K, you're now paying a salary, you know, to whatever, manage them. You probably have an admin that you need to pay as well. Like the brokerages take home on this is not dramatic as well. So you have to keep in mind that your brokerage, your broker owner, your mentor, your team lead, whoever, they also are in this for making money. And they're not just there to like give you all of their time for free to help you on all of your deals and only make a hundred bucks on every file or, you yeah, know, to make- true. $50,000 a year. It's no different than, here's the thing. We, it's funny how when we're the buyer versus the seller. So when we're doing a mortgage with somebody and they want to waste all of our time to get the best deal to go back to their bank, we get frustrated. And we're like, hey, I don't want to work for free, but it's a no different with the owner. They also can't work for free. They can't like say, okay, keep 100% of your commission. If you have any help, I'll help in any files. Like, that doesn't make any sense either. So yeah, like the expectation when you're going into that meeting or when you're going into that discussion, you have to have an expectation of what a higher split or what, what, is, higher what, what is reasonable means yeah. to you. Yeah. So for me, you know, if I've got agents that are on the higher splits, like I'm pretty straightforward. I'm like, here's what this means, man. Like, okay, you're not phoning me every day. You know, I'll review your deal or whatever. I'm here to answer these questions, but I'm not like available to you 24 seven. Like I was when, you know, I'm not doing commitment signings with you, with your client. Like I was when you were on a 50, 50 split, right? right? You know, the expectation of what you're getting for that has to increase with your experience, but you have to have a very reasonable expectation of what that means, right? right. The more educated that you are about you know, even just thinking about what that brokerage actually is making off of you, what your team is actually making off of you, like, you know, a 10 million a year producer that's maybe started on 50, 50 for five or 10 files that moves up to say 75 or 80, like their mentors probably making 10 K, 
you know, like Maybe. they're not like me 10 to 20 K off of it's, them. That's a couple of files. Like I've always said, yeah. like, if you really want to make money, this is why it's shocking to me that I even started a brokerage, but that's a whole other discussion that I'll get therapy for. But if you want to make money, you just become a great producer, put a support team around you and just go crush mortgages. Like, yeah. and a lot of mortgage brokers do that. And running a brokerage, it's also a different skill set. Because being good at doing mortgages is not the same as being good at running a brokerage because they're vastly different skills. And my thinking is, is that it makes sense at scale or if it's something you enjoy doing. My doodles are going crazy. We got two cats just recently. So when the cats come down the stairs, the dogs are like, because we're still trying to socialize them. It's It's been a... <laughs> but yeah, you know what? And I'll say straight out as a mentor, like, and I think there's a misconception. Like I've actually heard people make comments third hand that somebody had made comments about me saying, oh, she's making so much money off of us. And, you know, she's making so much money off having this team. Like, and I went back and did the math for them. And I was like, you know, on average for this whole team, for all of 2021, my average per person, I think it was like $4,500 that I had made per agent that I had on the team, like, you know, for the year or whatever. And I was just like, do you think that that's like, you know, when I do a weekly meeting and I do homework assignments and I review your files and I'm there for you, like answering your text messages, your phone call, do you think that that's an obscene amount of money to make per person for a year? You know, like you have There's to context. Mind. What are you getting for that? Yeah. What value are you getting? Right. What kind yeah, of and, and, rec- and recognize that they're in business too. You know, they're running a business too. Their time is valuable as well. So the negotiation and the conversation does go both ways. If you're expecting your points and efficiency bonuses and volume bonuses. And, and, nine, and 99% split, right? Yeah. And, then and you, you, made, you did you 5 million to, mortgages. Then you need to know that what you're giving, you know, because what you're contributing to them is higher volumes with these lenders so that you get paid more. And that's something that a lot of people maybe don't realize too. You know, if you're in a team that does, you know, 20 million a year with whatever lender, they're getting paid less as a team than a team that does 500 or 200 million a year with that lender. So right. there is tiered commissions as well, you know, with a lot of these lenders based on how much volume your team does. Right. So you're there to contribute towards that. Right. If you're not really there, like building towards getting them status and helping them get paid more on their deals, you know, the point of having a team is to build together and to pool together. And so you need to be contributing back to that too. Right. It needs to be both in. Okay. So let's switch gears. Maybe we can wrap up this call here in a sec. I didn't expect to go in this direction. I like chatting <laughs> with you because we just go wherever the wind blows. At the, begin- exactly at, at the beginning, we before we turn on the recorder, I'm like, okay, how are we going to do this, Joe? Like, and so I love that we can just both shoot from the hip. Let's just chat about um, maybe briefly contracts. So what things do people need to look out for? Because I've seen some pretty goofy stuff. I know of one broker who I will not name, a large producer who left a brokerage and was charged $300,000 to leave. $300,000. And to me, that's appalling. And it was for potential future revenue loss that was not clearly outlined in the contract. Like it was basically like, oh, you broke your contract before it was the end of two years, but it wasn't outlined. No different than we hate when a lender doesn't explain how the penalty works. Oh, we don't want to tell you how that works. It's the same thing with a contract. If there is a penalty, I think that it there really needs to be more explanation of it. And so that yeah. it doesn't turn into this. So anyway. genuinely, from my perspective, I think that if a contract has any kind of monetary penalty to leave, that's a red flag to me. So, you know, I have an agent on my team who had been with another brokerage that when she left, she had to pay out. It was like a five-year contract. She had to pay out five years worth of desk fees to leave, something like that. Crazy. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. Like my thinking, so the way we do it, we basically like, look, you can leave anytime. There's no penalty. Like your clients are yours. I think- 
you need to run it like how you would want it. If you were the, if you flipped the script and you were sitting on the other side of the table, how would you want it to be? And I think if you do it that way, if you put in penalties, what that's saying is that the only way I'm going to keep you here is because there's a cost for you to leave. Yeah. Versus like you do, you provide value. If you provide value, people will stay. And it's the right fit. Not everything's the right fit. It's okay. Like some people are going to be better fitted here. There, That's fine. There's a culture fit too. But I think if you're providing value, then you shouldn't have to provide penalties for. Uh, yeah. And I, and I think too, you know, before you even sign somebody up, like there's an element of knowing that it's the right fit from the beginning, right? Just because they got their mortgage broker license doesn't mean they're the right fit for your team. Like I've heard of people who join brokerages where that brokerage does basically all private deals and this agents, clients were mostly A deals, that brokerage wasn't even set up with A lenders, you know, so they didn't have access. And then they were stuck in a contract and afraid to leave, you know, and so struggling to get set up with lenders, not getting any pay, not getting deficiency bonuses, volume bonuses, and things like that, because their brokerage wasn't the right fit for them in the first place, but afraid to leave because of their contract, right? And I think the other piece of this too is, again, you're self-employed, you have to read your contract. You're not just picking the first brokerage that takes you and signing up and saying, oh, thank God, somebody took me. Like, read what you're signing. You know, if you have to get a lawyer to read what you're signing, but there shouldn't be any monetary penalty for recognizing that it's not the right fit. The other one that I saw that was quite alarming to me was a non-compete clause that stated that if the agent left that brokerage, they were not allowed to advertise as a mortgage broker within a 20 kilometer radius of one of that brokerage's agents for two years after leaving the brokerage oh or something. And I'm like, how are they going to enforce that? Like, so what? Yeah, that's can- not enforceable. That's it. But the thing is, sometimes people will put threatening things like that. There are laws to protect, like you still have to make a living. So that's like, yeah. a, that's a crazy. Why have that in your contract in the first place? And again, right. like, if you're so worried that people will leave, Build a better why, then why are you taking agents on? Build a better mousetrap and create something that actually provides value and yeah. you won't have to do that. That's my belief. Okay, so let's wrap this up. Jill, I love chatting with you. You know, you're a straight shooter. I think it was fun to go through, you know, the scripting and coaching on how to have that conversation a little bit to help people give them a bit of a framework. And we'll do this again tonight. We'll pick another topic. And I'm doing these live shows once a month with interesting people that are good communicators. So you're one, Ron Butler. I'm not saying that you and Ron Butler are like, but you're both fun to talk to. So I will definitely have you back again if you're- Well, I'm happy to be considered an interesting person. I have one final closing piece for you, Scott, that's just just for you and whoever's watching. You have a new bad movie that you need to watch. What is it? Moonfall. Moonfall, okay. Moonfall. And this is on a different level of bad than Velocipaster was. You know, Velocipaster knew it was a bad movie and they did that on purpose. Moonfall thought it was going to be a box office hit. And it, it wasn't. Is so bad. Okay, I got to check it. I'll check it out. This is where aliens built a mega structure inside the moon and they're around a star and then artificial life intelligence is trying to take over the moon and then is going to crash the moon into the earth. Kill all humans. Oh, it's it's Yeah. Okay, I'm going to find it. Okay, thank you, Jill. Thanks, for <laughs> Thanks everybody for tuning in and having to listen to us riff on this topic and we appreciate you. We'll be chatting again. Bye for now. Thanks, see ya. All right. I hope you found that conversation with Jill very enlightening and inspiring and encouraging. I know I love chatting with Jill. And a couple quick things for you. First, 
If you feel like you're not getting the best deal that you could or that you're not even being disclosed, follow some of the advice that we talk about in this episode, have the conversation. And, you know, one of my mentors said to me, anxiety is your true north. So the thing you're feeling the most anxious about is probably the thing you need to deal with. And so if you're feeling anxious about that, that's probably a good thing, anxious about that conversation. Second thing is, is that if you are a mortgage broker and you're like, man, how do I get my business up? How do I level it up? I would encourage you to go check out 10loansamonth.com. We have an academy with some amazing coaches. I'm only one of the coaches there, but some of the coaches are absolutely brilliant and they all coach on a very specific topic or theme. And with 10loansamonth.com, we only open it a couple times a year and you can get on the wait list and then find out when we open the doors. Thanks, Jill, for your conversation. And I'm dead serious. If you go out and you have these challenging conversations and some of this has been useful, I would absolutely love you to shoot me an email. I'd love to share with my daughters, actually. Say, hey, look, check this out and encourage them if they find themselves in the situation that they'll be willing to speak up. Have an awesome day and I'll see you in the next episode. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.